Welcome to the milk bar. 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 Welcome along to episode 690 of the milk bar. Jason Forrest here with you as ever. And coming up on the show this week in interviews recorded before we heard of the sad passing of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II, we'll be having a chat with Dr. Hilary Jones as we talk health. We'll be meeting up with two of the cast of Made in Chelsea as we hear about their prenuptial agreement, sorting out who does the cleaning. We'll be joined by comedians Nick Helm and Josh Jones who find out about their Midland shows. And you can hear what happens when I caught up with author Amanda Prowse all about her latest book, which is autobiographical. That's all on the way on the show this week. Josh Jones is on tour with his show, Waste of Space. It arrives on the 28th of October at the Glee Club in Birmingham, and it is an absolute must-see, judging by the sellout run in Edinburgh. He joins me now to tell me more. Hello, sir. Hello, you okay? I'm good. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm fabulous, thank you. And, and although, obviously, radio listeners can't tell this, but anyone watching on the socials will be able to understand a bit more about you, because we can see... All sorts of things around you. I've got, we've got the back of your head in shot, which I oh, like. Oh, yeah, I mean, both yeah sides. The, it's, the mirror. It's, it's like being at the barbers. And uh, oh, yeah. we, we, we can see your entire wardrobe here, too. Yeah, this, all, all my clothes. It, um, any yeah. touring items in there? Are there things you specifically wear for tour, or is there...? No, and I've never... I always just wear what I feel like on the day, really. Yeah. <laughs> just go with the flow. Yeah. And, but they said that there isn't a look for waste of space when you're on stage. No, I think I'm just a waste of space. I think that's <laughs> all right. I'll just bring that. But no, I it depends sometimes. I think um I've got more clothes that I wear on stage um that are a bit more fun. And then when I'm off stage, I dress a little bit more sexy. Well, I but, think but, so. Well, I'm sorry. Look, looking good at the moment, which is what counts. Thank you so much. <laughs> but, I mean, obviously, anything that is for stage use is tax deductible. So the whole wardrobe could be on stage the whole wardrobe has been on stage for that reason you wear them <laughs> on stage a couple of times and then it's tax deductible so that, yeah that works every time and mm. uh, you know it doesn't hurt looking sexy for your audience they will be impressed we know that and uh, yep. uh, give us a, a bit about the show oh so it's my um first uh, it's my first solo show i've been doing stand-up for years been at the glee club loads of times loads of weekends um, so this is my first solo show, um, Waste of Space, and it's just a, it's just an like a show. Of, it's just an hour of comedy, really. Mm -hmm. and it's just super fun, um, and it's just all about me and all the stupid stuff I've done in my life, um, <laughs> basically. But yeah, it did well at Edinburgh. Got um, nominated for best newcomer. So there we go, award nominated show. That, that always looks good. But in Edinburgh, is it still the thing where you have to go and fly a show to death, whoever you are? Because, I mean, these days there's social media, which helps a bit with that. But were you out there pushing yeah. paper in people's hands? I wasn't doing that personally. You got um, people to do that for you? Yeah. I, I, I wasn't doing it. Years ago, when I had no money and I to go to the fringe, I would fly a for other people. Um, but now I don't do it. No. You've got the wardrobe now you've got to look after. I mean, there's, yeah, I've got there's, a, wardrobe. there's a lot of shirts to iron. Yeah, there is quite a lot, but I've got a steamer. That's my 
little tip. If you don't come to Michelle, that's fine. But buy yourself a steamer. <laughs> saves a lot of time. It, it works. Okay. But when, because I mean, you've done an awful lot of stand up, as you say, and we've mm. seen you on TV as host on shows as well. So, I mean, the audience get a completely different treat, don't they, when they come and see a show with a name rather than just, oh, he's Josh doing some jokes. Yeah, but it's like it's like a bit of a narrative, and this is my first solo show, like tour show. Um, so it's basically just like an introduction of me, if you know what I mean. Um, so it's it's yeah, it's really good. I, I'm I'm gonna say it's really good, but it's it's better for the stand up because you're on stage for longer, so you can just play more, and I think it's a lot more. I think it's it's just so much fun. Like I've I love doing the circuit and like I started in like working men's clubs. So I love like going on stage in like a rugby club and like ripping into loads of blokes. But this is more fun to me because it's like my show, I can like just have fun for like be on stage for such a long time. Normally at club gigs you only do twenty minutes, thirty minutes. Whereas here you've got longer and it, I don't know, it's just loads of fun. <laughs> but I mean, do you enjoy the writing part of the process or do you tend to, yeah, maybe go off script a little bit as you go along and enjoy ad living as, you, as you're there? Which you've got that, you know, sort of working men's club style route or rugby club style route. It, it does sort of spring to life for you, doesn't it? I love the writing. Um, so I'm literally, I'm touring this show now in the autumn so i'm just getting ready to tour this show but then i've got to have my second show written for next edinburgh which is the beginning of august so i've literally started writing next year's show this week so um so i've got a year to write it and um and i'm going to be touring so it's weird i'm touring one show whilst writing the next one well, something to do whilst you're waiting you know in the dressing room uh, have you yeah. got somebody here uh, doing a, a, a bit of warm-up for you as well yeah, I think in Birmingham I'll have Hannah Platt, who's like a really good comedian, and we started together as well, so um, it's good because she's really good. She's been doing loads of stuff. She writes for loads of teller, and um, she's also just like my friend. So it's always important to get your mates on a gig because it means when yeah. you go for a beer afterwards, it's it's more fun. You can talk about it, but also like I'm just excited to do the Birmingham Glee in general because. Um, like I do we, like weekend clubs, I'm there all the time. I'm there quite a lot. So it's like nice that I'm like there, but doing it on my own and not just like on the Friday, Saturday night. So did you get your name in lights above the door as well? Is that compulsory now? Yeah, no. So I have that. I have a rider. I, like I want my own like bottles of champagne, a couple of doves. Yeah. That'll be nice. Good. And, and yeah. distilled water for the steamer. Yeah, and oh yeah, the steamer, which I won't do myself. I've got minions to do that yeah, for the, the, the people do that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. But go on, Sally. No, as you say, it's kind of your fluffer, isn't it, the steamer? Yeah, honestly, you you. I'm, I've been talking about this steamer for a couple of weeks. I've had it. It's changed my life. I take it to gigs with me, and I can just steam my clothes. Honestly, it's amazing. I got my mum to get one. She loves it. It's it's never thing. Yeah, it's, okay. it's a big part of my life. <laughs> Tickets via the Glee Club in Birmingham. It is the 28th of October. Uh, it, it's, it's sort of a pre-Halloween night out, uh, which has no relation to Halloween whatsoever. Uh, but I mean, if people wanted to come in Halloween makeup, you wouldn't mind, would you? No, I'd love that. Do it. I, I might. Oh, I might do it, actually. Let's <laughs> see what happens. Um, I might do my whole show. I might do, do you know, when they do the... 
Halloween, but it's like the sexy one. So you, I might do it in bunny ears. Just bunny ears. Yeah, just the bunny ears. That's it. Again, tax deductible bunny ears. That's why we like it. So where are you on all of the socials doing whatever it is you're doing there? I'm on Instagram, um, Twitter, TikTok. And if you just Google Josh Jones Comedian, they'll pop up. And you will find you that way. And uh, yeah. enjoy the tour. Have a fantastic time. I know you've got three nights down in London. You've got Birmingham on the way. And it's going to take you yeah. all over the UK. And it's well-deserved as well. Josh, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Now, a clean-up prenup sounds like an intriguing thing. When it comes to your relationships, who's going to do the dishes? Let's find out more from Two Stars and Made in Chelsea. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you? So we've got Maeva and James. Tell us a bit about this survey to begin with, because when it comes down to what people want from a relationship, uh, it, it is important. We all play our parts. It is. It is incredibly important. And I think that's that's the highlight. I didn't play my part before this agreement was in place. And now I am held accountable and I am smiling whilst I'm doing the dishes and hoovering. And I'm in a good mood. <laughs> which creates this harmonious <laughs> environment for both of us to live yes. in. Yeah, we like a bit of harmony. But I mean, relationships are difficult to navigate anyway, let alone if you're on, uh, say, a reality TV show. Uh, and, and having something in place which you, you can both agree on to make sure you're doing your bit uh, can make a, a massive difference. Yeah, you're right. And it, it has made a massive difference. Honestly, like the, the amount of arguments, we saw the statistics that yeah. people argue about these trivial, some would say, topics, but... In a, in a cohabitating relationship, like it's very important. And yeah, and it improves a lot of things, time management and like everything, like no stress, mm -hmm. uh, just sharing responsibilities, just really simple at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, Method have done this research and it has shown there is a bit of a gender spray gap when it comes to cohabiting couples. Uh, so uh, uh, you're kind of pioneering to make sure that this doesn't go, out, go on anymore, aren't you? Yeah, we are the first to sign and I think that was quite important for us because it's definitely been part of our lives with our parents' generation mm -hmm. that the roles were mainly women dominated. Yeah. Our mothers were doing the lion's shares of the work and, and now <laughs> it's definitely an equal split. Well, getting to an equal split. Yeah, we don't live in the 80s anymore. Like no. things need to change now. <laughs> yeah, just the 80s music on the background. That's the only 80s thing going on. We are a bit of power, 80s rock can actually help with cleaning processes just like yeah. method can as well so you know and and do you have you know, particular products of choice that uh, that each of you use when you are doing the cleaning is, is there things out there which you won't work without i fell i fell in love with method cleaning because uh well first of all i'm pregnant and having a baby on the way obviously you need to avoid toxic products um and the smell of method products that absolutely amazing so it's it's yeah it's all gonna love cleaning with it it's like i live in this tropical garden now instead of <laughs> instead of bleach the dog isn't walking around all confused by the smell of bleach now it's just a lovely smell mm -hmm. so a, a fresh enjoyable environment to be in and uh, when, when it comes to this i mean how did you approach having the conversation around this so i take it someone came to you and said how are you doing your bit 
that's exactly how it, how it went about. And I think we were arguing about these tasks. I came to you yeah. regarding that. Yeah, it, Maeva was doing the lion's share. I'm, I'm going to admit that. Everything, absolutely. Pretty much everything. <laughs> um, and I, I got a little bit comfortable. I think that's the word that explains our relationship in terms of cleaning. Too comfortable. So Maeva presented this document. I read through it. And I mean, some of it was in Latin, so I couldn't read that bit. But I kind of just signed because I thought it was the right thing to do. Absolutely. And, and, and then how is it working then? I, I take it you, you have split up the chores. A bit, a bit, do you cycle things sometime? Like, yeah, first week is yeah, James's turn to clean the floor and maybe we'll do it third week, that sort of thing? I think it's more simple than that. It's just me looking at him and be like, can you please help me with that? You do that today. And he's like, yeah, okay, <laughs> oh, fine. And then we just split like this. Yeah. And, then, <laughs> and then sometimes Maeve will redo the work I've done because I've done it haphazardly. Well, no, 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 you've done the prep work for the cleaning. That's it. You haven't actually done the cleaning itself. Yes, I've done the pre-clean. Exactly. <laughs> well, see, even when people have cleaners, you always have to pre-clean first, don't you? I think that's how it yeah. works. Yeah, but you're quite right. Yeah, otherwise it's embarrassing, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and Maeva, is he pulling his weight now? Yes, he's good. He's good. And if he doesn't respect it, just show him the contract and then oh, just God to remind God. him um, what he has to do. But otherwise, all good. So, so what clauses do we have in the contract? Is there anything there for non-compliance? Not, not really. I think you can jazz it up as much as you want. It is a generic document. Um, and as I said before, it makes you accountable. And that's what it's made me be. And that's created this harmonious living living scenario mm -hmm. so I'm, I'm sure you can add onto the second page as much as you want but i think to keep it generic keeps the roles split evenly yeah but it is about having that conversation isn't it? and making sure everybody's doing their bit in any relationship whether it's the cleaning the cooking or all the other tasks that are, are the less fun things that we have to do but it's, it's all about yeah again when you're doing the stuff like made in chelsea you've got to have a pristine looking palace haven't you <laughs> exactly yes. exactly Maver. oh sorry the dog um Maver is a clean freak um in a good sense sometimes that stresses me out a little bit when i've got the football on and you can only hear the hoover going <laughs> but um i know to speed that process up i get up and help her and it's done in half the time and it just helps each other at the end yeah. of the day and you're happy to have a house clean as well yeah right? and we we like having guests over at certain times it is our it is our safe space, but when we do have guests over, it needs to be tip-top. Absolutely. I would expect absolutely nothing less of you. So the, the prenup is there and available for people to share on the, the Method website, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yes, it's really simple as that. You just literally download your own copy on the website, uh, methodproduct.co.uk, and then done, boom. Yeah, <laughs> you can read up about the statistics and, yeah, it's, it's honestly helped us. Very simple. Yeah, you know, methodproducts.co.uk, and you could be. Uh, I mean, it's, it's the easiest way to be like a made in Chelsea star, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. almost. With with that smell and the level of cleaning that it it manages to get to, yeah, yeah, you can live like us if you really want. <laughs> <laughs> Although we don't get the accessory of the wonderful dog too. No, yeah. which unfortunately, actually, as well, is one of the big talking points because he molts all year round. And, well, you, um, you blame him. I reckon it's you. Yeah, yeah, I'll blame him a little bit. But I do remind Maeva that it was a joint decision, just like me signing this document was a joint decision. <laughs> well, check out the Method product range and the prenup at methodproducts.co.uk. And uh, are we going to get any more insights into your life in the near future, do you think? 
I think so. With the baby on the way, um, I think you will see something coming up soon. So where do we find you on the socials to get all the news as soon as it happens? Yeah, Maver's yes. social is, is probably the best one to go to. Okay, we'll dig that out. Maver and James, thank you both for joining us and keep up the good work with the cleaning. Thank you. Thank you. Now, international best-selling author Amanda Prowse has turned the pen on herself and is telling a little in a very autobiographical book. It is a memoir, Women Like Us, and she joins us now on the line to tell me more. Hello. Hello, Jason. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you. Now, when it comes to the world of contemporary fiction, that is your comfort zone. What was it like stepping outside of that to, to very much tell your own tale? And in fact, even touching on your know, toxic relationship with food as well. It was horrible, actually. Yeah. I mean, you know, I write fiction and I'm very good at crafting the most pleasing endings for my characters, but it felt really exposing and it's made me feel quite vulnerable, actually, like showing someone your diary and, your, you know, your photographs of your teenage years. I mean, goodness, can you imagine? Um, it feels very scary, but also I found it quite cathartic. Um, as you say, I've had a toxic relationship with food all my life. This is my story going back to my childhood. And this has really helped me unpick a lot of the reasons why, which has been key to stopping me overeating and set me on the right path, I guess, to sort of health and well-being. Yeah, this is, and so it's very much about health. I mean, we all use food in different ways. The one way we all come together on is it's fuel for our bodies. But it, it is a, a difficult one. My, my weight goes up and down. I'm currently going through an almost as the heaviest I've been period, looking to bring that down. But mine ties in with my health. And in fact, your health at an early age also contributed to your body image issues that you, you had through the weight that you have come to yeah, either come to terms with and then fixed, I think is probably the nicest way of putting it. Yeah, massively. And, and it, I, so I had a, I was born with a congenital defect in my pelvis, which meant I had, um, I think, 12, 13 surgeries between the age of 12 and 21, which was pretty rubbish. I spent a lot of my, my life, my years just staring at a hospital ceiling. And I think when everyone else was, you know, snogging boys at school discos and trying to figure out what their fashion sense was, I really lost sense of what I looked like, my, my physical identity. I couldn't have told you what suited me. I had no idea what to wear. Um, and I sought comfort in food. And that really kind of set a pattern that I've done all my life until the point where a couple of years ago, my, rate, my weight reached a shade under 21 stone. Um, I'm not tall. I'm not lean. Um, I'm now 16 stone. I'm still overweight, but I've obviously my journey continues, I'm pleased to say. But honestly, Jason, my self-esteem when I was at my heaviest was absolutely non-existent. I had no confidence um, in myself physically. I didn't want to go out. It's blighted my whole life. What shame is that? Because it's a wonderful life. And um, yeah, the fact that I spent it hidden away, you know, eating cheese on toast, I think is really sad. But I mean, it's, it's, it's where you go from there. I mean, in, in many ways, when you're an author, you're, you're sharing so many other people's stories. Sometimes your own doesn't really come to the fore. And although you will dip into bits of your own life when you are writing and your own experiences to, to make what you're writing believable, it's, it's still something which it isn't about you, yet this book is. And I actually think that in itself, uh, knowing that you're writing the truth and the, uh, some of, some of the, your worst truths, as well as some of your best uh, and, and sharing that with others in the hope that you can help to yeah, inspire them. I'm, I, you, you, you seem to be fairly grounded. You're not one of those people who's going showing sure off. Hey, look at me. But you, you are able to say, look, th this is me, and and that's what it's about. 
Yeah, absolutely right. I think you've really hit the nail on the head, but it wasn't always the case. And I think I shied away from talking about my weight, even with my family, about my food addiction, about what it felt like to open my wardrobe and see clothes from a size 10 to 12 to a size 26 to 28, almost thinking that that slim person was inside me somewhere, you know, struggling to get out, but also knowing I needed to keep the bigger sizes for when I, you know, slipped off course. Um, and this book really isn't about how great it is to be slim about how you know skinny is nirvana it's not that at all it's about saying that there are very different body shapes and sizes it's all about self-acceptance um, and not a number on the scales yeah. uh, for a start i've stopped dieting uh, jason that's made the hugest difference i've tried every diet um, and failed at all of them because they just felt like another enormous pressure um, and, and when you fail at that guess what i ran straight back into the arms of food um, and it didn't matter how many millions of books I sold or what I achieved or what tele programs I went on, I would still go home and feel a little less than because I wasn't the ideal body shape. I mean, what even is that? You know, I've come to realise there isn't one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, it, it is all about being you. Now, obviously, one thing you do need to take into account is your health and mm. your mobility and making sure you have those rights of stopping yourself being at risk from the likes of diabetes and other issues due to what is yeah, a horrible world of word obesity. But... It, it, it is you should be confident in who you are and I, th I think when somebody as prolific as you who has such a huge following when it comes to your written work it also has those struggles and you're able to tell people about it it, it shows yeah it, it is normal to have these issues it is also it shouldn't be normal to beat yourself up about them it, it you, you be who you are and yes get the best help you can for your health but that's where it stops that's the only thing that should be a consideration yeah, absolutely right. And, and I think that's partly why I reached the point where I thought, you know what, I need to do something because not only was I really unhappy um, with the way I looked and the way I felt, but I was starting to, you know, my joints were hurting, my ankles broke. I mean, gosh, what, you know, that says it all. But also I was feeling tight pains across my chest. Is that panic? Is that fear? Is that heart failure? All those things running through my head at three in the morning. And the, I realized the only person that was able to fix it or at least make an improvement was me. I think for most years I was waiting for someone else to come along and fix things for me. But of course, it doesn't work like that. My change certainly started with a thought and not a fork. It was very much about emotionally changing the way I looked at food. I used to think there was good food and bad food and that food was toxic. And if I ate something bad, it made me look bad, made me feel bad. But actually, there isn't. There's only food and how you how you treat it and your relationship with it. And were you able to find help through talking to others or really or was there also the knowledge that you could put this into a book part of your therapy to get through that? That's a really good question. I think what I found from talking to other people was that I was not alone. And I'm yet to find a woman or a man actually in that, in, you know, who hasn't at some point felt their self-esteem, you know, lag and felt a little... I don't know, like they needed to do something to make themselves feel better, that lack of confidence. Um, so I think it relates to all of us. Um, and, and it's a hard journey. You know, self-acceptance is a really long and hard journey. It's not a quick thing. But I think when you get there, it just feels very freeing. I think I live now without fear. I don't care so much what people think. And I feel much more authentic because in my books, I was always telling people, you know, live your best life and, you know, be happy and just life begins when you let it. And all these other sort of lovely cliches, which, which are, are wonderful to read, but living it was very, very different. So I think, you know, my advice to anyone would be go slowly, go gently, do it at your own pace. But there is light at the end of the tunnel. Mm -hmm. And certainly there is help through 
through the likes of NHS services, talking to your mm. GP, and also making sure that you do keep yourself in the best place you can mentally. Uh, but also having someone as an inspiration like yourself on, on both sides of this, not only the fact that you've been there and struggled through, but the other side of this, you know you are who you are, and we should only judge you by the, your talents and, 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 and nothing else. And uh, I know that you've got many millions of uh, followers, readers, and uh, you know, those who just, uh, appreciate everything that you've done and that positivity that comes from your books which is it's so difficult to see sometimes in your own life. But so congratulations on, on what you've done and where you are. It, keep up being you, whatever version of you you choose to be. And uh, we look forward to more work from you. So you've got this current book, uh, Women Like Us, out there now. Uh, where do we get that through? Which, which publishers are we looking for? Oh, anywhere you get your books from. Just clickety-click or bookshops, whatever. People know how to get it, I think. But honestly, Jason, thank you for those really lovely words. That means the world to me. And um, and I really appreciate, you know, having me on today to talk. Thank you. No, I appreciate talking to you. And before we go, when is your next work of fiction coming along? Oh, I think that's January, actually. I think it's called, well, I know it's called Picking Up the Pieces, a lovely story about a, a fractured marriage and, um, and the people in it. So check that one out. Look for Amanda Prowse, not only in the fiction, but also in this case, non-fiction autobiography for women like us. Amanda, thank you so much for joining us and I look forward to reading your next novel soon. Thank you, Jason. A new campaign has been launched, Be Gynae Aware, looking to help identify the 22,000 gynecological cancers earlier than is currently happening. Red flags are being missed. To tell us more, I'm joined now by Dr. Hilary Jones. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jason. How are you? I'm very well. I trust we find you well. Uh, indeed. So here we have a campaign which is looking at all of those who have gynecological body parts. And during the pandemic, the number of people who have actually been coming forward with what are classed as red flags has reduced, hasn't it? It has by nearly 20%, which is worrying. So before the pandemic, we were seeing more women coming forward to see their GPs when they had concerns about anything to do with their gynecological health. Um, and by that, I mean ovaries, womb um, and external uh, genitalia as well. And it is of concern that, that fewer are coming forward for various reasons. And it's not just about concerns about cancer. It can be irritation. It can be pain. It can be um, just anxieties. It can be abnormal bleeding. Um, and for too long, this has been a taboo subject for many people. Uh, there are also uh, women and people with gynecological organs who have extra barriers in terms of communication with GPs. There might be cultural, religious um, barriers which need to be overcome. And this appeal is so important because it empowers women to feel confident and relaxed about making the appointment in the first place, coming to see their GP, knowing what to expect, coming prepared um, uh, for whatever is required to support their gynecological health. So I really welcome this campaign. I think it's going to make a huge difference. Yeah, and, and the really sad part is we're seeing 12 lives come to an end each day due to cancers surrounding gynecological conditions. And with five cancers in that area of the body that are particularly prevalent here, it is vitally important that any changes are checked out. Absolutely, and, and we know that many of these cancers are preventable. Uh, we know how preventable a cervical cancer is, for example, through screening uh, and, and uh, by taking other uh, precautions. Um, but all the cancers do have a preventable element, which is significant. So empowering women to understand their anatomy and to give them the tools whereby they can make the appointment and discuss things openly 
and and be listened to fully with their GP is really important. So part of the campaign um, gives people um, guides, not just the patients themselves in order to make the appointment easier, but healthcare professionals as well, because all of the support staff are involved in taking the appointment, booking in the first place, putting patients at their ease. Um, other staff will need to explain what might happen at the appointment. Uh, it's important to explain that, you know, a chaperone can be present if a physical examination is necessary. But everything on the site, including the interactive quiz um, and the checklist, is designed to, to make the, uh, the experience of um, an appointment with your GP as easy, as relaxed and giving patients confidence as much as possible. And the charity, the Eve Appeal, are behind uh, a lot of the work that's been done here. Uh, GSK are involved as well. And this is all about getting that message across. And it's, a, it, it's making it something that is just part of normal conversation. It's just another part of the body. And it's one that should be treated uh, with, with the respect it needs when it comes down to some of the potential harm that can come from the, a small change, which could be the first sign of a big problem. That's absolutely right, Jason. A lot of women still feel, you know, a bit embarrassed, a bit anxious, a, a bit fearful about discussing anything down there, as it were. Um, and it's important to, to explain to your doctor what your preferred words are when you talk about your, your gynecological, your bits, if you like. Um, and, you know, you can ask for a female GP if you prefer, and there may or may not be one available to you. What's important is not to delay your appointment. If it is with a male GP, you know, this is um, something that we uh, see all the time. You know, it is it is part of our training. It is we don't discriminate between any parts of the body. We just know that people need to be seen. So if it is a male GP, you can have a discussion about that. Um, you can have a chaperone. You can bring a, a, a person, a family member or relative with you. Or, uh, and, and, and you will always be um, offered a chaperone, a professional person uh, at the examination if an examination is needed. But it's much better to get things sorted early because early diagnosis means a much better outcome, whether it's something benign, which it usually is, or whether it's something more serious. Yeah, because I mean, the, the, everybody's changes, uh, everybody's body changes, they get older anyway. So, you know, there will be some things which will just be a case of, well, this is something for your comfort and not something for a, a medical need. And uh, yeah, there, there will be a, a number of different things which we say will, will be sorted out straight away. Absolutely. You know, most things are, have, have a, a pretty simple explanation and treatment. Um and and it puts people's minds at rest to know that actually what, what's concerning them is 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 not particularly out of the ordinary and has a quick fix. Um, so keeping a diary, writing down any symptoms you have, whether it's bloating, whether it's abnormal bleeding, uh, different length of um, periods or different uh, a volume of uh, of blood loss, whether it's any discomfort or pain with your urinary symptoms or bowel symptoms write those down in a diary and be prepared when, when you go to your appointment have a list of questions uh keep your you know bring your diary with you uh, don't go away without knowing what the follow-up is going to be what what tests might be done or when to see the doctor next 
if you've got all these things prepared, that the peace of mind is enormous. Uh, and then you go away from your appointment feeling much more relaxed and confident about the future. Mm -hmm. And women are often stereotyped as having issues that they will need to talk to their doctor more often about and sometimes feel they don't want to bother their doctor because of that. And again, that is something which your GP isn't going to worry about. If you've got a concern, they want to hear it. Absolutely. That's what we're there for. You know, we're there to understand the patient's concerns, what's bothering them. They may have a family history uh, of, of abnormality. They, they may have symptoms which are new for them. Uh, and that just needs to be explained. Um, and it's usually fairly straightforward. Um, and if we can get over that fear and embarrassment for some people, then we're well on the path to making everybody's gynecological health as, as good as possible. And we want to see a reduction in that 12 loss of life every day. 12 people who should have been able to go on, continue having time with friends and family. And it hasn't happened because they haven't, unfortunately, in some cases, been early enough to their GP to get the sort of prognosis and, and, uh, and treatment they needed. That, that's absolutely right. And so we would encourage people in this campaign uh, during a cancer, a, a gynecological cancer awareness month um, to go onto the site for more information. So it's the eveappeal.org.uk forward slash be gyne aware gyne spelt g-y-n-a-e of course um, and all the information is on there some really good uh, tools to to help people to make that appointment and to make it as straightforward as possible yeah you just go straight to the eveappeal.org as well and there'll be links from there too if you if you if you're having trouble spelling that one but be gyne aware is the campaign it is all about making sure it is something you can have a conversation about without fear worry or concern talk to your gp if you have a red flag, make sure you are sorting it quickly and finding out what's going on. Dr. Hilary Jones, as ever, thank you for joining us and uh, we look forward to speaking to you again soon. And you, Jason. Thank you. This autumn, just as the weather gets miserable, your world can get a bit better by putting it to rights with the help of Nick Helm, who's back out on the road. He's in Brum on the 26th of October and he's here now to tell me what's going on. Hello, sir. Hello. <laughs> How are you? I'm all right. You OK? I'm very well, thank you very much. I've just been to my osteopath and he's cracked my back and I am feeling... Uh, lighter and healthier and more wonderful than I did before. So great. Well, let's hope that doesn't take you away the, the stride of the show that you've put together, because it is what have we become? And it is a, it, it, it is a species that requires osteopaths, quite clearly. Um, yeah, I, there's very little osteopath material in my show. If That's a any. shame. I mean, because that, that would appeal to that big osteopath audience who have been buying your tickets for years. Exactly. But, you know, I feel like, you know, they've supported me this long. Uh, without me having to pander to them, sorry. Why start now? Uh, this is it. what. What on earth are you up to with this show? Because we do have a world that does need to be put to rights. Uh, it, it's the yeah, next prime minister. I mean, the, you know, the, we, we're only a few days into the last uh, one joining us. But do you fancy a go at that? Yeah, I reckon uh, at some point I will uh, lead the country to great things. But um, but as we are now, I'm just really trying to focus on getting back into doing stand up after the pandemic. So. Yeah, that, that's been first a bit. Job. It's been inconvenient, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been rubbish. It's been, it's been rubbish. I mean, this is all stuff that I talk about in my show. So it's like there's a fine balance between uh, promoting my show and uh, just basically repeating my show That's on air. Spoilers, but uh, the, 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 the pandemic itself has. Uh, uh, has yeah, sort of given comedy something new to talk about for definite, and and one that I mean, no one ever wanted or expected. 
uh, yeah, it, it, it has. But also there's that kind of that fear that it's also something that no one really wants to talk about anymore because we've all lived through it for two years. Um, and and during the, during the I mean, I talk about this. I mean, again, I talk about this in the show. <laughs> but but what during the pandemic, I was basically thinking that no one's going to want to come and see a show about the pandemic. But um, but as we were getting through it, it was it was sort of like all all that I really wanted to talk about. And so the show sort of like formed quite organically. Just it's not all about the pandemic. It's about kind of like what it's like coming back out of it and what life was like for me beforehand. Um, but it's kind of like trying to kind of like look at myself and us all and my family. So it's about three things, really, I suppose. It's about my personal journey. It's about us as a society. And it's about my family and how um, how things have changed and how things were before, during and after. So it's kind of like quite a sprawling show, um, which is probably my funniest show. I think it's maybe my funniest show that I've written. Well, yeah, um, I, ex I expect you that you're not going to do you know, 19 shows into a career and suddenly go, now nah, I'm going to put out one that's a bit pants. You are going to be better every time. You can, you, your craft is honed. I mean, you've got two studio albums. Sort of, I'll try that again. You've got two studio albums and a third one on the way. So, you know, yeah. you, you are something that, I mean, that is proper traditional comedy, an album. You're not just doing a DVD. You're putting stuff down on either vinyl, CD or an MP3 downloady thing, probably from Audible. Yes, this is true. And I mean, that, that in itself, that, that draws something different out of you, doesn't it? I would have thought. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I, I do sort of like try and do a bit of everything. Uh, this, like, so my albums are sort of music albums. Um, and what I tend to do is I tend to take um, all my previous shows have kind of been a mix of music and stand up. And so what I've done over the over the past is I've taken all the songs out of the shows and made them into um, studio albums. And my third one is taking my last couple of shows and, and turning that into a studio album. But when I was putting this show together, I really didn't want to write any music for it. And mm -hmm. um, uh, and so this show doesn't it, this show is sort of a bit of a departure for me where I've kind of fallen, fallen sort of back in love with actually just doing stand up and when you go up to Edinburgh, you've got an hour to do your show and there really wasn't any room to put any songs in it. So, um, so I didn't. And, um, and I, at first I was a bit nervous about that. Um, I had a couple of songs in my back pocket to kind of like just on standby in case, you know, after the first few performances, people were complaining that there weren't any songs, but no one complained. And um, I enjoyed myself so much that, um, uh, yeah, I've just sort of like done something that's still me but it's it's it was out of my comfort zone and then I, I I learned that I've got a new comfort zone and and I've just really enjoyed doing something that's different so it's like an hour of stand-up with a couple of poems like thrown in to sort of break things up a bit and to sort of underline some points that uh, I wanted to get right rather than uh risk winging it every day do you know what i mean there's sort of like some delicate it, there's some delicate things that i want to talk about that i didn't want to do via stand-up i wanted to have it written down so that i knew exactly what i wanted to say but you're playing an amazing venue in broome you've got the old rep and i mean that is once that's sold out which i'm pretty sure it will do uh you are gonna have uh a, a, a sort of 
tears of people possibly in, in tears of laughter uh yeah uh, that's that's the dream uh my the dream is to have people cry yeah during my show at some point uh and whatever reason that would be is fine with me whether it's a dystopian future you're warning them about or uh, <laughs> just the fact they're enjoying the fact you got a lovely beanie hat on does this beanie hat that you're wearing now come with you on stage i mean where, where, how it do keeps, you do stuff that's quality keeps my hair out of my eyes and um i stopped having that problem about 30 years ago yeah, well, I can see you have beanie hat jealousy. Yes, this um, is it. So, um, no, I wear I wear a hat because I hate my <laughs> I hate my physical appearance. <laughs> so, um, so uh, yeah, I, as much of me that's covered up, the better. It's always nice to have baggage in some way to carry with you as you head stage. Keeps me, keeps me, you know, uh, identifiable. You know. <laughs> so, all over the socials as well in the run up to the gig. Oh yeah, I've got um, I've got a whole list of uh, homework that I've got to be working my way through. So I'm doing all my publicity at the moment, um, and it's, yeah, it's 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 good. It's it, it you know it's always it's always more fun. I love going on tour. Edinburgh is Edinburgh. You get into a daily cycle where you you know my show's always on at like you know late afternoon, so about four five my show is on at 5 25 this year so you get into sort of like a daily routine which is very monotonous and you do it every single day and you do an hour and when you go on tour you can expand the show a bit more and meet people and see people and it's always best to do that in front of as many people as will fit in the room as possible and the publicity part of it is kind of um it, it it's it's fun in its own way but um it, you need it in order to kind of like make sure that as many people can come and see you as possible. As long as they know you're there, they will be there. Nick-Helm.co.uk is the website. Ctickets.com. Just look up the gig at the Old Rep in Birmingham, Wednesday, the 26th of October, part of a massive tour. There's going to be many thousands of people in the Nick Helm way of thinking by the end of this. I'm absolutely sure of it. Nick, have a brilliant time on tour. Break a leg if you'd like to say that and have a great time doing what you do. Thank you very much. Thank you for talking to me. That's your love for this week. Thank you so much for joining me back with episode 691 next week. I'll see you then. Ta-ra for now. Mm-hmm.